0: listening to Unfiltered with Muhammad, a podcast about personal growth and authentic leadership. If you're looking for tips on how to manage others, get ahead and make your way up the corporate ladder, this is not the show for you. This podcast is about being of service to others, leading from the heart and evolving into a better version of yourself. Each episode brings you motivated stories about unfiltered leadership and authentic leaders, those who involve others, use their influence to amplify diverse perspectives and inspire teams to achieve collective results. If this sounds like you, keep listening. Hello and welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast and welcome to my dear friend and my unfiltered guest, Cordelia Gafar. Good afternoon. Salam, how are you?
1: Good afternoon. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing well. Salam.
0: Welcome. Thank you so much. The, we've had many conversations you and I, and this conversation as a guest on my podcast is long overdue. So we are today, it's April Fools, it's the 1st of Nisan, the 1st of April and Spring is in full way, although Mother Nature decided to play a joke on us here. You're in Chicago, I'm in London, Ontario, and we both had a bit of snow. So, you know, this is Mother Nature amid COVID saying to us, April fools, you (laughs) thought that winter was gone, but it isn't. So, um, but, you know, you kind of, there are things that you control and there are things that you don't control. The weather isn't one thing that, you know, we control, but we get to choose how we respond to you know, snow or rain or sunshine. And uh, I chose today to embrace the fact that it's saying goodbye to a short winter, but a cold winter and a difficult time because as you and I know, we're in the midst of COVID here in London, Ontario. And in Ontario, in the province of Ontario, we've gone into our third wave and to another lockdown. So this weighs heavily on many people, you know, on people's well-being. And by the time that you know I drop this podcast, hopefully we'll be in a better place, and um, you know it, we can be talking about nicer weather and maybe less cases of COVID and more people being uh, vaccinated and um, you know just feeling the love. And that's going to be the subject of our talk today. Is we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about your new book, Cordelia and uh, detached love. So this is a little different than my usual uh, interviews where I talk about leadership. But for those who have been following and listening to the Unfiltered podcast, they know that the sort of leadership that I embrace is one that is full of love. It's about people who involve others when they're making decisions, who use their influence to amplify voices that have been silenced and lifting others through their influence, and then inspiring others to become better versions of themselves. And we know that love is the key that can do that. And I want to ask you to introduce yourself to my, uh, to my listeners who is Cordelia, and why love. And this is your first book, if I'm not mistaken.
1: This is actually my seventh book. <laughs> your
0: seventh? Oh, well, I didn't do all my homework today.
1: That's okay.
0: <laughs> so but it's, it's the first book that we get to talk about.
1: It's the first and book so that you get to read.
0: <laughs> that, there you go. So it's my first book of Cordelia's journey. We're going to get into that. But tell us about who you are, tell us about your other six books, you know, what what inspired them and then what inspires you to do what you do?
1: Mm. I love that question. I love all the questions. Um, So, you know, I'm a person who really feels that our journey as human beings is to welcome our humanity. And um, for me, I do that mostly through reflecting and writing. So I would say I identify first and foremost as an author. Um, And I've been writing since I was nine years old um, because I always wanted to reflect on my journey, what's happening, what's going on. Um, And I needed to filter and process my thought process before talking to someone, like even my mom and dad back then. And through, you know, this self-discovery journey, you know, I've had different iterations over the decades, right? Um, and and so I would say after an author, I'm a mother and um, I have six amazing, beautiful teachers. And they, um, because of them, I embarked six years ago upon becoming an entrepreneur. And in that journey, I have, um, I've, I've, I feel like I've captivated the core of what it is to really um, help humans to be more courageous and to be leaders Of their their own journey. And so now I've, you know, I've, uh, and I talk about this a lot in my most recent book, Detached Love. um, My process that has been evolving over these decades that I call Replenish Me, so that you can um, really look at your difficult emotions. Your dark areas, your shadows, and welcome them. Use that as your fuel, use that as your source of love, and uh, use that to be a courageous leader. And, uh, you know, along the way, I won a couple of awards one for my podcast in, in London, but in the, the one in the UK. <laughs> Um, what, there's
0: another London.
1: There's I know, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, they got the I'll, queen too. I forgot.
1: Yeah, that. <laughs> oh, her. <laughs> and, um, you know, and top influencer and sexy, brilliant leader and all that stuff and best selling author. So some of the other books, uh, three books uh, I wrote were co-author collaborations in 2018. It was unlearning the art of unlearning i did a, a chapter in that book in 2019 it was america's leading ladies and i did a chapter in that book that book also it was america's leading ladies so we had to have like oprah winfrey and melinda gates and there was actually uh, tina tatran i always botch her name but she's like an award-winning um financial advisor in canada she's from montreal actually so and there's another Canadian in there. Um, her name escapes me as well. But I mean, just really high level leaders. In 2020, I, was, uh, I did a chapter in One Habit for Success. And, um, and then the other four books are my own books, right? So um, Workout Around My Day, The Only Health Guide That Moms Need, um, Ramadan Food Hacks, which is mm. Ramadan's coming up. Um, and uh, the guide how to get started with workout around my day and then this book so you know the funny thing about my evolution of my own personal books is in the beginning it was all about the exterior of uh, taking care of yourself through fitness and nutrition and one chapter on self-nurturing and now this book is all about self-nurturing with one chapter (laughs) yeah detached love with one chapter that covers uh, the nutrition and fitness. And, you know, for me, that just speaks to my most recent evolution in this decade um, where I'm finally embracing that, you know, part of my choice two decades ago to become Muslim, um, part of that transformation, transforming my heart to transform my mind Has been through the Unani Tib practice, which is Islamic medicine. So that's the short version of who I am.
0: I love it. I, you know, every time I engage in a conversation with you, every time I have the pleasure of listening to your voice, I'm calmed and it's so serene. And I feel that I can just relax and it's musical. It really is. You have a musical tone and the timbre of your voice. And, you know, and this is coming from somebody who's got so much energy all the time and I'm all over the place, right? So you help my heart beat more naturally. And, you know, I think, you know, again, I didn't have the honor of reading the other books, but as I was getting through this book, it really does come through how grounding your personality and your experiences are And that's so important, you know, and it it shows, you know, I talk often about, are we role models? Are we role modeling behavior or are we role playing behavior, right? And so without a doubt, you come across as somebody who role models behavior. And what I really appreciated about how you introduce yourself. So I always introduce myself as a father and a husband and right, that's how I identify myself or being a Muslim. What I loved about your introduction, identifying yourself before a mother, and a mother six children, by the way, no easy task. Six children you've homeschooled for 17 years, no easy task. Adult children, young children, and we know how difficult it is to raise children today, and you live in a bigger city, the third biggest in the United States in Chicago, so no easier. You're a mother to black children, right? Again, multicultural children, actually, because,
1: you know, their dad's from Bangladesh, so.
0: Fair enough. But but colored, if I may say, right, so children who aren't white, so, right, and and you're a visible minority, and right, so you've got all these, what others could perceive as challenges, and yet none of that came through. What I loved, before you said you're a mother, before you said I'm an entrepreneur, because these days the whole talk of hustle which I don't get in your voice, thank you, because the word hustle itself just makes me tired. And I respect people who wanna hustle. I respect them, but it tires me out. So you didn't go to what you do. You didn't go to identify yourself to a chosen, a choice you've made to become a mother. You almost identified yourself with a divine representation of us as humans god is the ultimate author and you have you know we are a reflection of god within us and that for you to introduce yourself as an author first i didn't think of somebody who's written seven books i thought of someone who is writing her life someone who is in control of her life someone who is the author and the decision maker in her life And I know how important that is. And you know, with your permission, I want to go there today because I know that you're also going through changes in 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 your life. And how we embrace those changes that we don't control is really important. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for taking me to that serene place. And thank you for being so authentically empowering to women by describing yourself as someone who is an author, because I think every woman today needs to self-identify without me needing to tell women to do this. But I hope my sisters will identify themselves as authors. And I don't mean people who write books, but people who are in control of their lives and their own destinies and don't need permission, don't need to seek it. But women who are empowered to be women, to be equal and have equitable opportunities, because that's the way we need, that's the society we need to live in. And so talking about society and talking about who we are and that level of self-knowing, something that I came across early in your book is what you describe as the geography of our emotions. You know, like I said, when you talk, you situate me in a certain place, and when you talked about geography of emotions, that really resonated with me. You can see where I'm going with this, right? You do take me physically, emotionally, and mentally to a certain place. What do you mean when you say geography of emotions? It's,
1: I, I, you know, That's such an interesting question because I would have answered it differently when I, st- when I first started writing the book like three, four years ago, because my original intention was I had been doing workshops with women from different demographics, different ages and you know everything. And so I noticed when I work with a certain demographic, when I asked them, where do you know, let's move into our bodies and where do you feel the most tension or resistance? you know, some would say shoulders, some would say hips, some would say stomach. And I noticed I noticed consistently that women of color, right, whether they were Muslim or not, or whether they were old or young, always had a tension in their stomach. And mm-hmm. that particular area is the area of fear, anger, passion, right? And so, um, and of course, throughout the, the workshops that I have, these were replenish me workshops, right? It, they, they had a different name. I don't remember what the original name was, but the whole purpose was to release stuff that had been just uh, imprisoned in your body, right? And so the objective of the workshop was to, you know get that out, face it, and understand what it is. So um, when I ended up you know completing the book, uh, this in 2020, Geography of emotions became something else, which was, yes, you know, I'm telling you about the different energy centers, um, but at the same time, you know, just recognizing where your emotions land um, at different, you know, when different situations happen.
0: And I, and I know you talked about that in the book because you talk about the chakras and you talk about the different parts of our body and the energy that we get in there. So maybe for the benefit of my listeners who maybe don't understand that terminology of, you know, what is within our stomachs, you know, when you say stomach to most people we are thinking, well, we ate too much or ate too little today. Right. But can you help go a bit deeper and explain to me this belief? And it's not your own, if I may recognize that, that fear and, and uh, you know, it lives in our gut. Right. So, and can you maybe just go a little deeper where this comes from, this uh, knowledge that you have and that belief system?
1: Right. So, you know, I, I like to research things in a multifaceted way. You know, the most common and recognized is the chakra system, right? So, when I say stomach, that would be the area that is solar plexus, but also um, for some women, it's lower, which is the sacral chakra. And so these two areas um, are, you know, like from a scientific perspective, right? That that would affect your gut. So if you have, you know, diabetes or digestive issues, you know, you may notice often discomfort, or you may notice that you comfort yourself by eating. Mm-hmm. Um, the other uh, way you look at it is like you just like in the moment when you're in an uncomfortable situation, before you speak, you may feel like someone kicked you in your gut, right? So, you know, the research I did was um, spiritual, uh, biological, scientific, and and then um, just, of course, you know, case studies, like meeting people. Um, so in the end, it, it was the culmination of my own you know, deduct de- deductions from all this stuff. Um, but yes, in the book, I do specifically talk about the chakra system and I touch on that, yeah.
0: And, and I, the reason I appreciate that is uh, you're a visible Muslim, uh, you're a revert to, to Islam. So I think you, you said it for about 20 years now, we won't give away your age, um, you know? And so I think the importance of recognizing that we don't have to be insular You know, people always come to me and say, what would you recommend for Muslims? Or how does that feel as a Muslim? And to to going back to how you described yourself, you didn't say I'm a Muslim. That's the first way that I identify myself. And I respect that if you did. But what I'm saying is we're more than that. We're more than our religious convictions. And we're more than the communities where we believe and where we live and where we behave. And and I see where and not how because I wanna stay with this notion of geography, right? Because where we are sometimes can depict how we behave, right? If we're at work, we behave in a certain way, the different personas we have at work, then at home, then with our friends, then with our partners. And now this geography of what we're feeling depending on the, the chakras and the different parts of our bodies and what we're thinking with and where we feel pain or joy, right? And where decision-making is made or where we penalize ourselves. Because, you know, when you're talking about, you know, we may feel like we're getting a kick in our stomach, but you also talk about how we might overeat, right? And, and so it, it's amazing when you start to put those things together to realize the impact. And no doubt this, I think, has to do with what you've done before with Replenish Me, it, it is that detoxification of what can be painful and hurtful and how we replenish ourselves with cleanliness and cleanse ourselves with new thoughts and, and new versions of ourselves. And it, it's, it's an alchemy of becoming. And, you know, when I, when I think how you bring that into your discussion and into the serenity of your voice and your teachings, it's convincing, so, you know, I talk about authenticity as leaders, as human beings, when we can role model behavior and people can see that in our values, I don't have to ask you to prove yourself that you're a person of integrity because it, it comes across to me in the way that you behave, right? And I think that's important because when we start thinking about creating that peace within ourselves, we can't ask others to embrace us and to accept us and love us if we haven't done that for ourselves. So the notion of self-help here and, and, and replenish, can you tell me how that aligns with self-care?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I firmly believe that it starts with the words that we choose you know, you're talking a lot about my voice and uh, one of the things that I do in my workshops and it confuses people, right? I'm just going to a little bit tangent here because they're like, oh, it's a dance class. Oh, but you're a mindset coach or an emotions coach or what What kind of coach are you? You're Muslim, you, know? you dance? <laughs> and right, there's that. Right,
0: right, right.
1: <laughs> right. And you're Muslim, you dance, right? So, um, but, you know, it, on a vibrational level, right? Um, when you use your voice to declare what it is that you want to create in your world, and your life, right? So for me, I was at a point in my life where I was existing on vapors and, when I started writing this book. And so um, I... Was like, what can I declare and speak into existence in my life so that I can really embody self nurturing? And so, replenish me is what came up. And it was, you know, for many years, the name of my podcast. And once I got to a point where I felt that, okay, now I feel full, right? I'm no longer existing on vapors. You know, in that process, I had uh, made a decision. To just treat people that were not who were mistreating me with unconditional love, so I could detach from their choice and their their choice mm-hmm. of behavior, and just love, but not in a way that was punitive to me, right? So that created uh, a gap, which allowed me to replenish, and once I was eight, once I was full, then my, I renamed my podcast and I renamed my declaration
0: free to be. I love that. And indeed you, you have become liberated and that I know you have come out of a not very positive relationship. I can go there with your permission.
1: Yeah. I'm not really sure when you're going to publish this. And um, I, I really welcome the opportunity for you to be person that i have this conversation with where you know i do disclose that during you know the course of completing writing my book my marriage ended you know and um i i feel complete you know in that relationship and and i know that for the benefit of many muslim women who listen to this there sometimes they feel shame around divorce Mm. And I just want, I would like to invite them to consider that, you know, first of all, it's halal, right? There's like a whole chapter in the Quran about Mm -hmm. it. And second of all, there are seasons in our life, right? And there are people that have reasons to be there. And sometimes Mm -hmm. when the seasons end, you know, it just is what it is. And I am so grateful, um, for my marriage, because I have my six beautiful children, and the many lessons that I learned um, during, you know, just being married to him. He was a great teacher. He helped me to explore myself so deeply. And um, I think I, you know, I told you like the beginning of my life, I had this practice of self-discovery, but I mean, when you're married, you have to figure out you know who you are really you know when you're parenting and when you're parenting with somebody else that whose world philosophy is polar opposite you have a choice between choosing to validate and justify the way you think or be firm in the way you think and so that was you know the benefit of being married to him for so many years and it was i'm really super grateful for that
0: I'm grateful that you've allowed me to go there because I would be remiss not to share the power that you bring to the conversation. And I dare say not just for a Muslim woman, because I think the shaming and the lack of uh, confidence and the inability to feel complete befalls many people. I see some men, but I I would look to your point. I think it happens more to women, you know, women seem to get the short end of the stick, I think, in, in, in a lot of the situations. And yes, in, in our, unfortunately, in certain cultures where we may be, I'm gonna put it out there. And unfortunately, in some Islamic cultures, and I see Islamic cultures, is not Islamic religion, but in cultures where Islam is practiced, yes, that feeling of the shamefulness, that I'm incomplete, I'm not attached to a man, That happens often. And I think it happens in Western society, but maybe less so because the conversations have shifted differently. So I would have been remiss not to go there and and help you, allow you to share with the listener because there's such a message of empowerment when you can say, I have detached love. People tend to think now that something is over, I have hate. I have anger, I have misery, I don't want to talk to this person, it is a chapter I choose not to to recognize, or I don't even choose it because I'm victimized in some way, and yet you're empowered to say, for me, I choose to recognize the strength and the opportunity he brought into my life, besides six beautiful children, but the opportunity for you to evolve into who you became, and to when you walk away to choose to still express love because we know when we don't show love and we don't act out of kindness and we're acting out of spite and hatred and anger and rancor, who does that hurt? If our goal is yourself. So I mean, I hope that we never come from a place where we're aiming to hurt others, but we lash out sometimes, whether through words or through actions, because our intention is to hurt the people who've hurt us. And yet, you're making a choice to say, "I choose to have love for you now as a brother in faith, and and not necessarily as my my husband, or you know, but you are still the father of my children." And that level of respect and 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 affiliation to recognize that there's still a a relationship. You choose to keep it a healthy relationship in spite of sometimes just wanting to feel human and thinking there's a lot of crap going on, right? But it empowers you. And I think that's really important because today what happens is we, when we're not the victims of the spite of others or what others are doing to us, we can rise and choose not to become victims to our own, commiseration. And we can tell ourselves, I choose to love even those who don't love me, even those who have moved on, even those who show me anger and not kindness. That makes you a whole person. And I think that's powerful. That's really, really powerful. You know, today, if we can choose more often for people who don't agree with us, to choose kindness and to choose respect and to choose tolerance and maybe even acceptance, right? And th- there's so much polarization right now. You know, in 2020 2021, we're talking about the different camps and and you know, businesses being dropped because you're on this end of the spectrum or that end of the spectrum. What happened to an open mind and an open heart? And it's okay to think differently. I right. So thank you for for going there. I. Do you want to go back to one thing when you were talking about women feeling it in their gut? Because if I don't ask this now, I'll forget it. Is it the same for men? Do we, are, are the chakras different for us? Oh, no. The
1: chakras are the same for all people. I just haven't worked with any men.
0: Okay. Fair <laughs> um, enough. I just, I, yeah. So yeah, the ch- if I'm feeling yeah. it in my gut, Right. It, it would be the same sensations, so it, it's not based on your gender that that it, the, those feelings go beyond. I just wanted to clarify that. And uh, on that topic, you talk about energy and the body and how it impacts us. Can you go a bit deeper into that? I'd love to learn about how you brought that into your practice and how it actually comes through in in, in detached love.
1: Huh. Okay, let me see. The short version. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like, whoa, that's a big question. Okay. <laughs> Um, the easiest way to talk about this is I did a series of um, workshops the end of last year raise your vibration embody joy and embody peace right so there are different frequencies electrical frequencies that exist right and um, you know there's different schools of thought on this Um, and so joy and peace and love, right? Are the highest frequencies, right? The highest vibrations. And so in my Raise Your Vibration um, workshop, we, I, I wanted to embody mercy, right? So the best way to do that is with the Surah Ar-Rahman. And so we listen to the Surah And just with our body still. Now, I do my workshops. You don't have to be Muslim. In fact, I don't think there were any Muslims at that particular one.
0: Amazing. (laughs) So sorry, it's just for non-Arabic speakers there. When you say Surat al-Rahman, can you just clarify what that is?
1: Oh, this is one of the names of Allah. And it means that uh, he's the merciful. Um, And one
0: of the chapters in the Holy Book of Islam. And
1: one of the chapters in Quran, yeah. So, um, and, and actually this surah and unani tib, right? Which is the traditional Islamic medicine is actually used as a healing um, when you are having anxiety, which starts in your gut, right? Because if you ha- you, when you have anxiety, it's fear and anger. So, yeah, you see how I like wrap it uh, all together.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so when we talk about energy, After listening to that, just in complete stillness, I did uh, use breath work, right? Which is also, I know like a lot of people are like, oh, that's yoga. Actually, that is part of Unani Tib as well. There's three different breaths that you use as a healing to actually replenish your, um, your blood flow and your circulation. So I had us breathing in a certain way, listening to the Sura, which I think played for about eight minutes. And, um, and so the, you know, the overwhelming feedback was that you know, I actually was coming into this a little bit weak or a little bit tired or a little bit, whatever was going on for them, but their, their vibration was immediately lifted, mm. right? So there, it was like giving them more energy And as we listened to the different types of music and did the different movements throughout the thing, right? So at the end, everyone had more energy, right? Or for the one where we were embodying peace, uh, uh, yeah, peace. They had more peace. And the one we were embodying joy, they had more joy, you know?
0: Amazing.
1: So these are like um, energies that you can choose. And we're recording this on, Thursday so just to tie it back to words I have I speak in uh, one of my chapters in detached love about having themed days so Thursday is terrific Thursday where you choose your vibration so you can choose joy it's like today's Thursday you know and I choose to be joyful and whenever you have a dip remind yourself what was my choice today yeah Mm -hmm. joy and you just take a second and you say the word, whatever you choose, what you chose for that day, and you can be that.
0: What I find amazing, and I'm trying not to think as a Muslim here, is you know, we'll go to a yoga class and we'll get really into it as non-Hindus or non-Indians or people who can't, you know, let me use let me say appro you know, we, we we've appropriated the yoga practice as westerners right right and, and you know some have even added music to the yoga where i know in, in traditional yoga you don't have music but you have the incantations and right and we're drawn to that because it's kind of in and today to talk about mindfulness and you just mentioned that There were no Muslims in your class and, you know, these people didn't shy away from you because you're Muslim or because they were going to listen to something that today we're talking about is fanatical. You brought people and you used power. And, you know, we talk, people say to me, well, why do you pray? Why do you like prayers? Forget that it's compulsory that, you know, we have to pray. No, I pray because it is the time to get out of my chair to exercise my body five times a day to to bend in ways that I'm not normally bending when I'm walking or eating or sitting or typing. So I get my body to do some exercises physically. And I'm getting my spirit to detach itself, thank you for that word, from my computer and my work and, and my thinking and what I have to do and what I haven't done. So I detach myself and become mindful of thinking of something else. And then I take the words that are said, and those words, and people find this hard to understand because you know we talk about bass music. You ever go by a, a you know a car at the lights and they've got bass? I don't know what it does to you. Some people say yeah, but to me <laughs> it hurts my heart. To me, when I'm at a at, at the stoplight, and there's a car beside me, and they've got heavy bass. I, I, I just, I can't breathe. Even thinking about it makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm. And because the bass is just so heavy, it, it doesn't sit well with me. And so, you know, we, I, I've been told why there's some music is haram or forbidden is because it's not healthy for you. And so, you know, classical music is healthy. Other types of music is healthy. So when we think about what we're ingesting today, you know, in social media or the types of music that is out there, and, right? And, and, you know, it's not healthy. The language isn't necessarily healthy, but the tone and, and, and the timber of it, we started talking about your voice and how you take me to that serene place because of your voice. Well, when we're listening to music that doesn't take us to that place where we feel the peace and, and the serenity and the calmness, our bodies are always you know vibrating to a different frequency and that's not healthy. And so for me, prayer is to use the words that come from the Holy Book of Islam. I'm a practicing Muslim. And those words take me to a place of serenity, of peace. And when I focus on those words and the rhythm of those words and the sound of those words, and it doesn't happen often, then I'm fully in my prayer, fully in my mindfulness, fully in my worship. And then I'm out of my body thinking about something bigger, greater than me, that I'm just a speck on this earth, that there isn't something bigger. And now... I physically and spiritually and mindfully put myself in a different place. And I'm thinking about something bigger than me. I'm no longer the it. Life isn't all about me. You know, it's not about the microcosm. It's about the macrocosm and the greatness of something bigger than me. And my passing, my ephemeral, you know, the the, the ephemeral, is it, what is it, the, the ephemerality? No, the... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? The, um, just the fact that we are ephemeral, right? Nice. We are fleeting. And, you know, sorry, I, I kind of went on this. But it's so important because it's not about prayer. And it's not about usurping something from a different culture and misappropriating it today to make it cool and end like we've seen with mindfulness and all this sort of stuff, but it's actually looking at wisdom that's been around for thousands of years through the Indian practice, through the uh, Hindu practice, through Islamic practice, through uh, mysticism, Kabbalah, uh, Christian mysticism. It's there. This isn't about religion. This is about health of mind and spirit and body, emotion, mentality, physicality. It's about being present. And that to me is detaching ourselves from this world and thinking about a greater love. So take me to the title. You started telling us why detached love and how that morphed over the four years that you were writing this book. How does it allow you to become who you are today and where you're going tomorrow?
1: Yeah. So you were actually speaking about that just now, you know, the bigger us, right? We, in our humanness, we miss that this outward part of us is an illusion. And this isn't, you know, it's, you know, the who you see in front of you is not really anything. the The real me, right, is the soul me. And the soul me, really truly desires to be connected to Allah more than anything else and so Allah is love and the one thing I love about Arabic although I'm not fluent is the 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 bit of study that I was able to do is I know that there are nine levels of love and they all the words are used in the Quran and so when I was going through that difficult period when I first started writing the book I was like, I need to be my bigger me. And we often hear this, you know, phrased as being your higher self, right? And the only way to do that would be to just connect with divine love, right? So it's like wanting to be with Allah, but not for the purpose of suicide, to be clear, right? But for the purpose of in my humanness, loving people that choose to not love me, right? The way I deserve um, or be respectful with me just unconditionally. And so, you know, this is my brother in Islam. This is my sister in Islam, you know, in, from that space, I was able to replenish me. From that space, I was able to mother better. I was able to, you know, have self-compassion, self-forgiveness which grew into self-belief and ultimately self-trust. And so by embodying love in this way and practicing that to the best of my ability for the past four years, this has helped me to you know, be who I am today and continue into the next invitation, yeah.
0: You know, Cordelia, for my listeners, they know that I talk often about emotional intelligence. And, you know, I don't get into this with my clients unless they ask. But, you know, we have a saying in Arabic, عرف عرف He that knows, whomsoever knows themselves knows their Lord. And I bring that into my practice. I don't bring it in from um, doctrinal. I don't bring it in through religion because uh, I respect that, I you know, my... um you know, my clients can have different beliefs or not necessarily similar beliefs, but I tell them that self-awareness, which is one of the tenets of emotional intelligence, the first, and then you learn to regulate yourself. You learn to understand the power of your emotions, right? The geography of your emotions, where you sit and where they sit. You learn to keep yourself motivated. Again, you know the because. Emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. But when you've gained that awareness, when you've gained the ability to harness the power of your emotions, to keep motivated, to keep wanting to move forward in spite of some of the things that are holding back, the fact that on April 1st it's snowing, right? And then to build relationships through empathy. You know, I wanted to get more into relationships today. I want to be respectful of your time, but It's so important that to use that love, that the object of of our love should be to create relationships. And I mean, that's the social skills and using empathy. So for me, emotional intelligence is using that skill and that tool to help us know ourselves and know others and to build great relationships. And what better framework to do that than to do it through love? So whatever your beliefs are, whether you have a spiritual belief, whether you are connected to the earth whether you love things or you love people or you love something there's always an object of your love and it's recognizing that that object is bigger than you i think when that object is always focused on us it's internal and we're only thinking about us but when we start thinking that love is how it can impact others and how do we act through love how do we Respond through love, even when it's painful or hurtful? How can we move and walk as if we are love embodied? I think mm-hmm. that's how we become empowered. That's how we become stronger, better people. And, you know, you, I want to thank you because you've helped me understand it in a more holistic approach. You know, de- detached love is not about taking something out but it's purifying it. As you said earlier, it's filtering it to find the right ingredients. It's it's the alchemy of becoming. And for anyone who wants to learn more, obviously they can connect with you. They can pick up your book. It is on Amazon. Uh, they can certainly connect with you. You know, we'll share it in the podcast how they can do that. And what is one thing that you would share with my listeners today for them to develop a stronger version of themselves through love. No easy task, of course.
1: You know, I, along the lines of declarations, I have, um, what is it? And, And I think I have this in the book somewhere too. So what I say, you know, to my clients is that you can use your thoughts as the seeds to your growth or the bars to your prison.
0: Mm. Wow, that's beautiful. You can use yourself, your thoughts, your thoughts as the seeds to your growth or the bars to your prison. Yes. Explain to me why bars to our prison. What can thoughts do to us?
1: Oh my goodness. You know, um, you can take those thoughts and make them really like words of shame and fear. You can, mm. you know, take those thoughts and make them into um, a fiery hell of anger, right? Mm. And it is a hellish place to live. You know, that that's one of the workshops I did too was release your rage. A lot of a lot of women have anger, but that's not what is it? That's not polite, and that's not a feminine thing. You know, mm. you know, you're not supposed to be angry. And then, you know, um, there's there's the layers for black women, right? You can't be the angry black woman. You know, Michelle Obama dealt with that um, accusation, right? And so just, uh, and then we know in Islam, right? It, we're always told in khutbah, right? In the Friday sermon, don't be angry, you know? But, you know, anger actually in tasawwuf is all about, it's, Recognizing that there's something that needs to be said, there is a wisdom behind that. And so, when you realize that you really care about something so much, you can allow yourself to ground yourself, right? This is the time when, you know, walk away, be in nature, understand what it is that's happening, you know, filter out those thoughts. And don't just stew and let that become a prison. Allow the anger to flow through for the words of wisdom to surface. Mm. Don't stuff it down, right? So that's how it can become the seeds to your growth because now you're like, okay, so actually it really means a lot to me to, um, to speak my truth. And the less I do that, the more um, I feel disconnected and disengaged from this person or from the situation. And so it's so very important for me to speak my truth, right? And what's the worst thing that could happen? The person's going to disagree with you and they're going to say, nope. And that's okay, because mm-hmm. that's the information you need, right? You, It's a data collecting situation. Information cannot help, hurt you. It can only help you. Oh, good. Now I know that this person, this, you know, what's my truth is a hard no for that person. Right. Thank you for letting me know, because now I can save myself the next 20 years. You know,
0: that transparency is powerful, right? When we don't know, we put ourselves in the cage of our inner voice. And then to your point, you know, it's not just the inner thoughts, but they translate into, you know, actions that can be very disruptive and choices and anger. and, And if we live through anger all the time, it can be disruptive. It can be hurtful and and physically. that's not physically yeah. emotionally mentally so but when we express it as our truth and speak our truth it can become the seeds that helps us become the the you know the the powerful plant if, you know we can build the we can have the seeds that will become the bamboo tree and and become so resilient that we can bend but not break yeah thank you today for sharing i could have another hour talking about <laughs> your, your book and, and who you are and what you do. But I encourage my listeners to reach out to you to learn more about what you do and to read your book and to just know that through love, there's always a better way to being. There's always a better choice. One that helps us become healthier, stronger, and helps others relate to us more easily. I want to thank you today for sharing your story, for opening up and for sharing um, some love.
1: Thank you, Muhammad. I'm so grateful to you. And the book is also available on my website, which is my name, um, cordeliagafar.com. And I'll make
0: sure to add that when we release this, uh, drop the podcast. We'll make sure people know where to get it. Thank you. Thank you. All the best to you. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum. Thank you for listening to Unfiltered, the show about authentic leadership and personal growth. Like what you heard? Click subscribe, share it, and tell a friend about it. And don't forget to leave a rating.